0: We love her so much, but also, of course, we are also getting older in the last 10 years too, so the benefit of one-level living is great for us too.
1: Hey there, welcome to Life Well Loved, the pet wellbeing podcast brought to you by Bella and Duke. My name is James Marriott, I'm your host as we adventure into the world of pet ownership with you and your cats and dogs we'll be sniffing out expert knowledge from people like behaviourists, nutritionists and veterinary professionals as we explore how to do right by our pets, covering everything from pet centre nutrition to how to help them navigate the world around them. So let's meet today's guest. Today on the show, we are heading to, well, I think one of the best parts of the UK. We're going to the North East Coast and we're talking to Elizabeth Wass. Hi, Elizabeth.
0: Hello, James.
1: Thank you for joining us. Our topic today is something that we've not really kind of got into too much actually on the, on the podcast so far. So we're talking about life with a senior dog. So Let's just set the background. So, Elizabeth, you are, uh, you're retired. You and your uh, husband have three dogs altogether. But today we're kind of focusing and, and just talking mainly about one of them. So we're talking about Belle, aren't we, today? Tell us a bit about Belle.
0: Yes, we're talking about Belle today. She's our oldest of our, of our three dogs. She's 11 and a half. She'll be 12 in March. And uh, we've had her since she was eight weeks old. So we've had her to love for a very long time. She's a yellow Labrador.
1: Excellent. So it's interesting that you've had a right from you know kind of being really young and obviously now more than more than a decade um, decade later. Tell us a little bit about those those kind of early years. Then what what kind of a, a puppy was she?
0: She was a lovely puppy. She was very quiet and. We waited until we had to take an early retirement before we started our canine family because we wanted to be able to be with them all the time. Prior to that, we were both working full time. So we hadn't had a dog for many, many years. So it was almost coming fresh to being dog parents again. So we got her when she was eight weeks old from a breeder that we found um, via the kennel club. But really with hindsight, she wasn't the best breeder that we could have chosen. Um, one of the questions that we asked her was, you know, what, what have you been feeding her and what have you been feeding her mum? And the reply we got was, she's a Labrador, she'll eat anything, which didn't really help all that much. So we went to, you know, we, what, what most people did sort of 11 years ago, raw feeding wasn't as common as it is now. And we fed her on the kibble that had the Labrador puppy on the bag. And she was incredibly difficult to house train. She had lots of accidents, and now, of course, with hindsight, I know that was because she was. We were feeding her food that she couldn't digest. We even used to say, "How does a puppy that big make poops that are that big?" Never thinking it was, you know, what we were really feeding her. So she had, you know, in her early years. Um, She had a number of sort of upset tummies. She had yeasty ears a few times. And that was the story of her very early, early life eating. And then when she was about eight or nine months old, um, we were actually at puppy class with her puppy training class. And the trainer said, she's lame on one of her front legs. We hadn't even noticed and so we went to our vet, and sure enough, um, they said yes, she was lame, and she had elbow dysplasia, and we found that out, you know, early in her life. And she actually had surgery when she was eleven months to remove a fragment of bone from her left elbow arth- arthroscopically, and we were told then that she would probably, highly likely, get arthritis as she aged. And sure enough, that's she, she does have arthritis
1: in that okay. limb now right wow okay so feeding and stuff like that is something that we always get on to talk about on the course, on this yeah. podcast for very obvious reasons so i, I think it's super interesting that you you waited until retirement before kind of starting that, that kind of canine family, I think was how you described it, which is, which is brilliant. Tell us a little bit about, I, I know you're um, northeast. I know you're on the coast, yeah. a beautiful part of the world, amazing place for, for, for dog walking, I imagine. So I, I, I'm, I'm guessing you've been on some really great adventures with them over the years as well.
0: Oh, we certainly have, yes. I mean, we actually moved house in December, so we are now about a 10-minute walk from the beach. Prior wow. to that, we were literally yards from the beach um, but there was a reason that we that we moved and one of those reasons was because the dogs was ageing and we're in a bungalow now and we wanted to really try and avoid them going upstairs um, but yes we've had some wonderful times with them there Belle loved, loves the beach she loves swimming and she loves ball games and then when she was a puppy we did much of that yep. with the ball in the sea and her swimming <laughs> out for it swimming like a dolphin <laughs> that's really a strong one of her strong suits but later in her life something has happened which has changed that a bit but i'll probably get onto that later mm.
1: okay where so where does raw kind of enter the equation
0: so raw enters the equation when she was about 4 years old at that time She'd had she and her sister, our next next oldest dog, had both had dentals done when they were about three because the teeth were dirty. And I thought, well, this you know they're young dogs, and we thought we were feeding them a, you know a good balanced diet, and so that sort of made me start thinking a little bit. And um, then I had a friend who had a golden retriever who was raw fed, and that dog seemed to have to me a kind of glow about it almost a bit like the ready brick glow around it I thought why has that dog got that that my dogs are fine but they haven't got that so I read a bit more about the subject and looked into it a bit more and we started just dabbling into into raw feeding and we gave them some raw chicken and stuff like that to begin with not the best way to do it now and then Another friend told me about and Duke, actually, that was a new company just um, as about 2017. And they said, it's really easy. You don't have to, you know, we just get delivered to your door for us. And my husband and I don't eat meat. And I'd always imagined that you had to go and queue up in the butchers. And, you know, buy (laughs) chunks of meat and chop it up and that really didn't appeal. Although if my dog had needed it, I would have done that. But this sounded a better way of doing it altogether. So... We switched to Bella and Duke and we've been with customers ever since. I just like the um, the subscription method, how it's delivered. I think I like the transparency of the company and I love to in the production line of how the food was made and being involved in the packaging dis- you know, debate about how the packaging was made. Yeah. So we did the switch and I have to say, She's never had her teeth cleaned again in her life because they find her, you know, her teeth, are, her teeth are clean. And her poos went from being elephantine to now being once a day and really small and, you know, firm and perfect. And she's never had an upset tummy again in all that time. And she has some other issues, you know, that joint issues and, and other things, but her digestion is absolutely perfect
1: one of the things i love about doing this podcast is hearing those success stories both you know, on 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 a big scale and on a smaller scale just you know kind of knowing what what a difference um it, it makes is 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 brilliant you've mentioned obviously that 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 bell has had some 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 issues you mentioned arthritis earlier you mentioned some other things and obviously you you making that decision to move a little bit away from being quite so close to the um the beach it would be interesting just to hear a little bit about you know the the those challenges that you've had
0: we moved really because we had, we were lived in a, a three storey townhouse and um, she did come up the stairs and down the stairs. And we were always frightened that she would fall. And also we didn't really, we didn't have a garden there because it was so near, near to the beach. We didn't need one because yeah. they were there on the beach every day. Um, so now we have a, reasonably sized garden and she's on one level so that's great great for her regarding her arthritis we ha- we do lots of um sort of complementary therapies with her included red light therapy we've got a Fortizo red light which we use on her elbow all the time and our other on our other dog as well yeah. Things like, when she was a puppy, she she still loves ball games, as she did then, but now we restrict them more to in the garden and in the house. We play with her with balls, and she gets as much satisfaction from doing that, as she used to do from running. And we don't use anything like a ball thrower now, because I believe that they are the abrupt stops. And jerky, you know, running like that is really bad for for dogs' joints. And she has a number of sort of supplements, like... uh, green lip mussels and things like that for and c- c- curcumin and boswellia you know just in, in a range that i add to her food
1: tell, tell us a little bit about because there may be people listening to this who think God, oh, that's you know, there's there, there's some pretty big steps that you've taken there is it all worth it
0: oh definitely we love her so much but also of course we are also getting older in the last 10 years too so the benefit of one level living is great for us too. Of course. Yeah. Another thing we've got for her is um, we don't want her to, to jump down, particularly because it's her elbows that are affected. So we've got a ramp to get her in and out of the car, which often causes amusement because we get this ramp out the back and then all the dogs one after do the other sort of walk up the ramp to get into the car. But that's been a real, a real boon for her to, to mean that she can still, you know, come into the car with us. And she's 28 kilos, which is a good healthy weight for a Labrador, but she's quite heavy. For, you know, for me certainly to lift up. So that's great. And it us up and goes into the footwell at the back. So that's been a great, a great blessing for us, getting one of those.
1: Brill, brill. I, I know um, on, on the subject of, of, of RAW, so you, you obviously kind of made that transition into RAW, but then you, you ultimately became a bit of an advocate for it. And, and almost, you know, would, would I, how would you feel if I described you as a bit of an expert on, um, on, on RAW?
0: Well, thank you. I've studied it for the last sort of six or seven years. I've looked into it as much and um, I've really participated in the raw feeding community and I've been a moderator on, I joined the pack at uh, Ballarin Duke and um, Jude was immensely helpful in my early days of raw feeding and um, I got to know several people in that sort of raw feeding world and I became a moderator myself in in a Natural Health and Raw Feeding Group as well, which is now one of the one of the biggest groups I think in in the UK. Although I have stood down from that now because I've had a few a few health issues.
1: Okay, uh, everyone, when when we you think about kind of you know, the 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 dog world, everything is quite sort of based around and and it's kind of the puppies that tend to get the attention and certainly, you know, younger dogs that everyone sort of thinks about um where as we record this we're not um we're not far away we're not far away at all from from christmas down you know the usual sort of messaging around puppies as christmas presents oh, yeah. and things like that it's yeah. all very kind of puppy yeah. sort of mm. orientated mm. isn't yeah. it and even you know yeah. this this podcast we've we've generally talked about um younger dogs and the you know what what the, the best age for sort of transitioning on uh, raw and things like um things like that so i think it's great to um Hear a bit about you know your experience of of uh, a more senior dog and obviously a, a dog where you 've had some challenges and and, and you 've just kind of taken them in your stride, which is is brilliant. Tell us a little bit if you would do about what you maybe see as some some of the misconceptions about senior dogs
0: um, perhaps people might just think that they don't need any stimulation and new experiences, and I think that 's very far from the truth. Um, you need to help them to keep in the same way that you would an elderly person keep the mind active and do brain games i do my um sudoku and different puzzles and Belle has um games in the ha- in the house or in the summer in the garden as well we've got um a, you know puzzle games outside where she has to twist different things around a tornado you know where there's treats since she's very food orientated so that's great we've got one where there's a series of tubes that you put in, and she has to bash it with her nose and you know turn it over and she loves that but just you don't need gadgets though just hunting for treats I mean she just loves doing things like that I've done it this morning actually just in the house because it's not a very nice day here it's pouring with rain if you dot a few treats around the house and then say find them she comes in like a Sniff a dog, and you know <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of sniffing, isn't it? You know it's kind of power sniffing, and uh, she she soon finds them all that. And as I say, ball games in the house, she can get as much fun now just sitting at one end of the rug and me throwing a ball for it, and she catches it and rolls it back as she ever did when she was running around. So it's keeping her brain simulated, but being the person that's thinking about her joints and protecting them so that you know from any further deterioration. Yeah, okay. and, That
1: makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, and it's things like just choosing, choosing. The, she's got a selection of beds, you know, that are shared really but with all our dogs, three dogs. She can dig a pick. We put one in a quiet corner, you know, one in another room where there's sort of main TV's, and she can go in there if she wants to. And just and also giving her the choice whether she wants to go for a walk or not. She doesn't go every day for a walk. Today it's raining, and she's not keen to go, and I'm not keen for her to get wet. My husband's currently out with our other two dogs who want to go regardless of the weather, um, but not her. So she's like a sponge as well, a fur. For, for a Labrador, she's, um, she is a pedigree a Labrador. We've got her, you know, pedigree. But honestly, you would think somewhere down the line that a golden retriever might have been involved <laughs> because <laughs> she's got a really thick fur around her neck and beautiful, glowing. You know, she has got that glow now that I wanted to have when I saw all those years ago my friend's dog have she has achieved it and she's still got it
1: That's amazing and um, I know she she plays a a very uh, holds a very important role with your local wildlife trust is that right?
0: Well she does yeah she's one of one of a group of ambassadors for the uh, Tees Valley Wildlife Trust so you know her role involves going to one of the wildlife um, sites and just sitting there really with her bandana on (laughs) looking beautiful and People sometimes ask what this means and really it's just a way of showing that you can be a dog lover and a wildlife lover too with a bit of practising some common sense and avoiding areas. For example, we have a, a being near the beach. We've got quite a few ground nesting birds near the beach and uh, at the time of year we just avoid that area altogether. It's cordoned off anyway but we keep well away. Belle is a dog who would not chase anything a rabbit could walk through the room and belt one of those dogs that would just look at it which then if i can just say takes me back to when we started raw feeding i didn't think the bell would would eat raw food i just had this feeling that because she is so averse to seeing dead animals you know rabbits we sometimes see them on our walk or seabirds she would make a big detour around them i just thought i thought she's going to do this but there we go she just switched Straight switch to raw feeding. Marvellous, really.
1: I, I just want to kind of wrap up really just by, you know, once and for all, sort of rubbishing the myth if you if you like, that, you know, senior dogs that image that I guess some people will have who just, you know, they've they've got their bit of the rug that they sit on from the oh. moment they get up to the moment they go to bed and maybe they're a bit grumpy and they don't like visitors coming and oh. that, that image that some people yeah. have just, you know, well and truly just just, you know, completely bust that myth.
0: Absolutely not. Belle is a people person or a people dog, I suppose you would say. That is her favourite walk. Many other dogs like to go wild places. Belle likes to go to the park. So at least once a week we go to a big local park and her favourite thing is being fussed by strangers. Well, and does <laughs> as well, obviously. But she likes strangers as well. And that's her ideal walk. Her tail never stops wagging. And everybody comes comes to Fuss Bell. We're thinking one day we might need to get a, a buggy for her, but whether she'll get in it or not is another matter. Because we couldn't stop her going to you know she, she just loves people. She's a real sociable, really sociable dog. Can I tell you what happened to her this year? She had well she had some surgery, and um, back in back in May or just before that actually, we noticed that her bark had um, changed a bit. It become a little bit hoarse. It was subtle and nobody else would have known if she wasn't your own dog. And um, she's always been a bit heat intolerant as well, you know. She's not liked it when it's been too hot. I mean, obviously no dogs do, but she would always find the cool place and be panting quite a bit. So we thought we'd just get it checked out and it turned out that she had laryngeal paralysis, Mm -hmm. which is um, where the larynx is not... um, Opening and, cl- and closing properly, so we had a referral to a, a tertiary um, centre, and they confirmed that she did have this condition. So she had surgery, what's called a, ta- ta- a laryngeal tie back. So one side of the larynx is um, stitched. Now that it's so, it's always open. Right. So this means that um, she can breathe better. She can, you know, she can. She doesn't. She's not heat intolerant anymore. But um, we have to be a bit careful with water so she can't swim in the sea now because she can't close her larynx and it could go down the wrong way and cause a pneumonia. And um, most dogs who have had this surgery, the surgeon and the sort of knowledgeable people about it, suggest feeding food in ball, like making kibble into dampening it and making it into a ball and feeding it. Well, there was no way she was going to Eat anything like that. So for the first few days after surgery, she had a bit of cooked food, and then she was straight back onto a and duke, and she's never looked back. I mean, she's never missed, you know, Mr. Beach. She's back on. I think with it being wet, obviously, it's easy for her to swallow, easy for her to digest. So that was another real blessing that we had that already in place for her she's fitter than she was before she had it now obviously which is the idea of the surgery
1: that's great and, and that's such a kind of a you know happy happy conclusion to um you know what, what could have been such a serious situation and it, it, you know, it sounds like um as, a, as i guess with you know pretty much i guess every dog that you've you've had challenges certainly your fair share but very much taken them in your stride and it sounds like you know there's still there's still plenty ahead and you know you've got such a great you know future ahead of um of 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 your life with with bell which is which is fantastic and i'm so grateful to you for, for coming on and, and sharing your story with us, Elizabeth. Um, I wish you, you know, the very best for the future with, with, with Belle. Um, obviously she's had her challenges and is, is thriving now, which is, which is great. And please do keep us up to date in the, um, in the pack Facebook group. Um, Lots of photos, lots of videos. Mm-hmm. You know, want to kind of see all wow. the, the, the things that you yes. get up to with, with Belle in the, um, in the coming weeks and months and and, and years as well.
0: Thank, thanks very much, James. That's um, th- th- you know, thank you for inviting me. I mean, we loved Belle from the day we got her, but every year that passes, we love her more.
1: That's lovely, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us. It's been great to chat to
0: you. Okay, thank you, James. Bye bye.
1: Well, that wraps up this episode of Life Well Loved. Thank you very much for listening. You can find out more about us at bellaandduke.com and don't forget to hit follow so you get all our new episodes every fortnight. Thanks for listening. I look forward to seeing you again soon.